It is perhaps the supreme irony the devil's child has been gifted with the healing touch. No doubt the Lord of Hell himself chuckled over it on occasion, but there's no laughter today, only primal awe. You see, Doctor, yesterday we would have been flying over the bustling little town of Citrusville, but today all that remains of said town is a steaming crater miles deep in the shape of a six-fingered hand. My name is Conrad, along with my co-hosts, Duncan and Drew, and welcome to the 24th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. How's it going this week, guys? It's going great. Uh, I, uh, I found $15 on my way home today, and so I figure we could run a little contest where if any of the listeners is able to predict the serial numbers for any of the dollars... Post that in a five-star review on iTunes, and I will send you that money. Whoa. Yeah. That's big. That's big. Yeah, if you get all of the bills correct, then who knows? You might have just won 15 whole dollars. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Is that a, ten, a 10 and a 5 or three fives or what? I'm not going to reveal that. That's for them to try and figure out. Oh, I see. Okay. I was trying to yeah, we're going help to them along. No, we're going full blind. <laughs> you know, there's right. one ticket to the movie. Hopefully, go, go matinee. Get a little cheaper. That's the that's my plan. And Doctor yeah. Strange approved. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve at strangerbythe12 on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air, unless it contains serial numbers, in which case Duncan will contact you directly. (laughs) Um, If you want to read along with the podcast this week, most of the issues we're going to cover can be found in the Defenders Epic Collection, The Six-Fingered Hand Saga, a trade paperback that that was released just earlier this year. So guys, it's been a few weeks since we've talked about comic book Doctor Strange and the Defenders, so I thought I thought we'd do a quick recap, okay? All right, Please. sounds good. Yeah. So Doctor Strange is a sorcerer supreme of Earth, lives in Greenwich Village with his disciple slash lover Clea and his man servant Wong. He also has an accountant slash personal manager named Sarah Wolf, who lives next door and doesn't appear this week in the comics. Uh, he does magic and stuff. There's there's a movie out or something right now that you can see for further details. There is? I don't, I don't recommend it. It's like super old and not very good. Oh, man. You're in for a surprise <laughs> when you use that $15 <laughs> to go see a movie. <laughs> so the Defenders team is a loosely knit super team that Doctor Strange is a member of. Other members include uh, Xerox of a Xerox of Batman, Nighthawk, a.k.a. Kyle Richmond. Oh, oh man. Uh, as guardian goddess with complex backstory of Valkyrie. Hopefully uh, not fa- complex anymore, though. I mean, it's been decomplexified, but it's still kind of complex. Uh, fashion model and former girl comic star Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, who has acrobatics power and whose recently deceased mother's suburban New Jersey home is now the base of operations for the team. And uh, uh, Damon Hellstrom, a.k.a. the son of Satan, who is a Satan-based kind of wizard dude, complete with hair that looks like horns and a big pentagram on his chest. Additionally, the team includes uh, the far superior form of 
of Aquaman, a.k.a. Namor, the Submariner, and the Incredible oh, Hulk. Yeah, exactly. We're just tossing the burns out. And the Incredible Hulk, a giant <laughs> green brute who should require no introduction. And all these guys are jerks. I mean, you know, to some level or another, absolutely. I feel like Hellcat and Valkyrie are less jerks. Yeah, that's opposed... probably my favorite. Well, no, I like Doctor Strange a lot. That's yeah, Doctor Strange is here. Doctor Strange is good. I mean, he's not not a jerk. I want to be very clear about that. Oh, he's very much a right. jerk. That that much is you know remains true. So, the so uh, last time we talked about the comics, the Defenders team had recently uh, saved all of reality by recovering the by tra- traveling the globe to recover the lost pieces of the immortal god being Eternity. And that's where we begin these issues. Got it? All right, let's go. And we go to Defenders 93 from March 1981. The woman behind the man, J.M. DeMatteis, writer, uh, Don Perlin, Joe Sinat and Friends, artists, Diana Albers, letters, George Russo's colors, Al Milgram, editor, and Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So this issue starts with the um, following the events of last issue with Namor uh, taking sw- swimming home from saving the all of reality, and he takes some time to sort of sw- swim with some dolphins and stuff. This is Which the greatest is, image I've ever seen. He's just it's just uh, br- breaching from b- the beneath the waves with a bunch of bottlenose dolphins. Yeah, it's glorious. <laughs> so as he does this, he hears a voice calling his name. He follows it, and oh crap, it's Lady Dorma, his long-lost love. Long-lost, because she's hella dead. She's been dead for, like, several years. Like or dead and buried dead. Yeah, but, you know, it's the comics books. Nor- Namor's aware of that. Let's get going. But she's, like, all chained up. This is intrigue abound. Yeah, she's been chained in this underwater cave, apparently. So now, whatever. Namor's gonna s- Namor saves her. It's good times. She definitely looks dead. She's all blue. And like, That's because yeah. she's Atlantean, bro. Oh, right. I forgot that Namor is the only one who looks like a normal... Well, he looks that's, like a dark elf. That's because he's half Atlantean. Yeah. Duh. Oh, I, for, I forgot those like comics we read way back when where his parents were like these weird fish things. Yeah, that was, that was bad times. Yeah. Like, in between uh, World War II... Or no, World War II era Namor is, is terrifying. Anyhow... <laughs> Back at the Sanctum Sanctorum, the team is debriefing over ice cream when uh, Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan, has important news he tries to tell Doctor Strange privately. But as he does, they're interrupted by a shout. Uh, Nighthawk is unconscious. No, wait, he's dead! I doubt that. Oh, man, guys. Nighthawk's dead. It's terrible. It Really? No. No. I'm going to... I'm going to hold my, my uh, surprise for, like, maybe six pages for when I'm back, he comes back. <laughs> okay. Back in Atlantis, Namor hits us with the backstory about Dorma and, I guess, the uh, whole Atlantean court. Um, everyone who questions Dorma's resurrection story or her uh, plans to go to war with the surface again gets the death glare from her. And then people start agreeing suspiciously and, like, knock out any naysayers and stuff. It's basically like having an argument with my mom, like, like, like you try to raise um, objections <laughs> and then you just get the, get the glare and then someone punches you. Oh, it's sad. Anyhow, uh, back at the <laughs> sanctum. Oh, go ahead, Drew. 
<laughs> just like knock it off, man. Just shut yeah. up. God. Yeah, just go with it, man. We're going to war with the surface. Jeez. Meanwhile, back at the sanctum, hey, it looks like Nighthawk isn't dead. <laughs> oh, that was like what four pages? Yeah, five. So we'll rem- you know, it's close yeah. enough, I guess. We'll all remember back in uh, Defenders number 14, which is episode 9 of the podcast, that uh, there was this big fight with Nebulon, and Nighthawk was killed, and basically the Defenders team had to bring him, had to combine life forces and bring him back to life, sort of Captain Planet style, and apparently something has severed that bond, which caused Nighthawk to almost die. Doctor Strange has managed to stop the spiritual bleeding, but now Nighthawk is paralyzed and only able to lie to lie down, talk, and feel sorry for himself. Uh, That's all he's good for, anyways. Uh, it's it's oh, kind of true. Burn. Nighthawk <laughs> is getting what he deserves. Wong interrupts this pity party, however, with news from the TV, which means that while everybody else was tending to Nighthawk's wound and worrying about him, Wong was watching TV, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> he gets regulated breaks. Okay, get off his back. Hey, that's that's totally that's totally fair. I don't know my uh, I don't know my manservant labor laws. <laughs> you but you work fourteen hours and then you get some TV time. Nice. Anyhow, it looks like Namor's attacking London. Ooh, we gotta do something. The team heads out. But before we see what they do, there's an interlude in suburban New Jersey where Hellcat's feeling bad about her dead mom until. She is attacked by a dark and mysterious force. Dun dun dun. Anyhow, the defenders arrive in London, and it's fight time. Hey, but before the fight starts, guys, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange mentions that teleporting around is a kind of unstable spell, and it's dangerous to use it a lot. Uh, just FYI, and kind of file that away. All right, just put a pin in it. Just, but keep it in mind. All right. Okay. Alright, good to know. Alright. I just wanna I just wanna say that every time that there's some sort of weird suspicious action that goes on and it's like unanswered, I'm worried that that elf is gonna show back up with a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what what are you guys talking about? You know that, at least that elf it's a, with a gun. Yeah, true. At least it's with the main character that this like intrigue is occurring, so like there's it's less than likely, but you never know. I don't I don't know about that. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Anyhow, uh, so it's fight time. The uh, the defenders fight the uh, Atlantean forces, and it's going pretty well. Hulk's tossing tanks around, which I always appreciate, and all that stuff. Until <laughs> Namor brings out the Sonic Scrambler tank, which uses noise energy and takes down the super team quite effectively. We cut to the uh, Atlantean flagship, where Namor is basically supervillain gloating because... Namor switches from superhero to supervillain, basically at the drop of a hat. It's so almost wait, are, like he's used to it or something. Are Atlanteans, like, immune to sound? I'm still stuck on the sound machine, the sonic scrambler. Maybe it's, like, directed sound or something? Like, they can just shoot it, it at the uh, okay. at the guys? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm focusing on the wrong parts of the superhero comic completely. Look, there's a... Look, okay... Namor's got a bunch of silver tanks, and those tanks are bad, are, are crappy, and Hulk can just pick them up and throw them around. And there's a gold tank, and that tank's way more powerful and takes everybody out, all right? Yeah, I'll roll with it. <laughs> so now the defenders are all locked up on the Atlantean flagship. Everybody's got different traps in them. You know, uh, the Son of Satan is, is 
is is uh, separated from his magic trident. Doctor Strange can't move his hands or say anything. The Hulk is in a cage of somnambulists. Somnam you mists, which is like somnambulists, but but it's mists, I guess. And then the Valkyrie is uh, guarded by female troops that he that she can't hurt. But Fair she enough. can't. Yeah. <laughs> Because well, that's the that's the vow of Valkyrie. She can't hurt uh, females, you know. Yep. Totally so remember. Yeah. So she starts trying to talk Namor out of invading, and uh, Dorma punches her, and then we start to and uh, just kind of keeps punching her basically, <laughs> and we realize things something isn't right when Val fights back without any trouble because usually she can't raise a hand against women, and it's soon revealed that in fact Lady Dorma is Nebulon! Oh, man, oh, this jerk. Ah, oh, gross. Get out of here, Nebulon. He's <laughs> awesome. Nebulon, nobody likes you. I like him. He needs a deeper V-neck shirt. It only goes to his belt. It can't be more V. The V, it's, it's, a, it's a U-shaped <laughs> shirt because the V disappears beneath his, like, two-foot-wide belt. Yeah. With his space leotard, with his long-sleeved space leotard. <laughs> I really don't want it to be more of a V. Listen, <laughs> Nebulon remains fabulous with his golden skin, silver hair, and leotard made of stars. Yeah. He, he's, he, said, he sort of explains how even though he gave up on humanity during the Bozo arc way back when, um, he, when he returned to his people, it turned out they had some sort of prime directive type law. And so he was put in space jail. Now he's broken out, and he's out for revenge, which will involve taking over the Earth. Uh, but his, his plans are foiled because the Defenders have gotten free, and they just start beating the crap out of Nebulon. They beat him into a, some would say, sexier sea creature. Yeah, they beat him into his true form, which is a giant uh, worm squid thing. That uh, Namor, who we don't know how, how intimate he's been with Lady Dorma since she's been back. But it's clearly been a day or two, and it's probably freaking out quite a bit at the moment, I'd imagine. <laughs> All right, I changed my mind. Uh, let's go back to the whole, like, really deep V-neck. <laughs> yeah. So Namor so freaks out and hurls Nebulon into the sky, where he's picked up by the magic by the uh, space beam of one of the passing ships of his people, and he goes back to a space prison. That is so convenient. It's oh, super, my goodness. It's super convenient. <laughs> That's amazing, and uh, and that's it. You know, everybody, everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, it's good that you have someone you love, Namor. But next time, don't be so booty blind that you end up trying to conquer the Earth again. Jeez, how did how did he get locked up down? How did Nebulon get locked up down there? He no, he escaped and then came to Earth to get revenge because he was escaped. So he was pretending to be deep sea prison. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He, he, he magic the chains onto himself, you know? Sure. I mean, why not? Exactly. That sounds like a convoluted plan that will probably never work. The key image at the end of this story is the Hulk just standing there scratching his head. <laughs> <laughs> he really represents the audience more than we think. <laughs> hey, I'm always ready to be represented by the Hulk. That's like my, my <laughs> favorite thing. But hey, enough of this. That's what I say. Let's go to Defenders 94 from April 1981. Beware the six-fingered hand. J.M. DeMatteis, writer. D Don Perlin, layouts. Joe Sinat, finisher. Diana Albers, letterer. George Russo's colorist. Al Milgram, editor. 
Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, I didn't make this comment before, but it, it's coming all too apparent to me. I'm really surprised mm. that they're doing this whole Princess Bride tie-in for this comic series. Um, listen, <laughs> I'm not, I'm oh not, I'm not, way too long. I'm not saying William Goldman uh, stole a character aspect of his uh, immortal work, The Princess Bride, from a uh, classic Defender storyline. I'm just saying that The Princess Bride came out in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. I was going to say, it, it, it seems a little early for there to be this kind of tie-in. Just saying. <laughs> oh, wait, actually, I'm, I'm checking the dates of this dumb, of, of the book. That's the key one. 1981. Oh, it's at the same time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Now, now I'm confused. Anyhow, let's <laughs> let's move on. I guess. Trying to press on. Um. So, uh, Doctor Strange, Son of Satan, and Valkyrie arrive at Hellcat's suburban home in a ball of fire because apparently Patsy called Wong on the telephone before she was fully kidnapped by the evil darkness. Last last issue. Uh, uh, note that the Hulk has sort of gone off on his own. Everybody else is just sort of doing their own thing. So it's just Doctor Strange, Son of Satan, and and uh, Val on this mission. Or as I like to call it, the A Team. It's a decent team, you know. They're red as heck. Yeah, and they've got sort of like a, a motif going with like Strange and Son of Satan having a dedication to cloaks with really high collars, mm-hmm. and then, you know. Son of Satan and Valkyrie are rocking like horses like nobody's business. Yeah, and even Valkyrie is is caped herself. It's a, it's a yeah. It's, there it's, you go. It's a very unusual all caped team. You don't see those a lot in Marvel. I mean, this is classic Marvel. <laughs> so they arrive at, at so the team finds that the house is actually an illusion and is in fact a big rubble pit full of spears where the front door would be. So had they entered, they would have fallen on the spears and been all impaled and stuff. Inside the pit, they find Dolly Donahue, Patsy's housekeeper. She explains that she saw Patsy being carried off by a winged, monstrous creature, and then the house exploded. After hearing this, we smash cut to Christiansboro, Virginia, where... The same or orange monster is leading is leading an evil church service over the semi-conscious form of Patsy Walker. The townsfolk that's not, and oh, that's not weird or anything. That's that's perfectly normal. Seems fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's uh, insane. The townsfolk and monsters are praising this demon called Avarish, who seems to be involved in something called the six-fingered hand or the six-fingered god or something like that. At the same time, Hellstrom is being extremely jerky to both Doctor Strange and Valkyrie, and explains that during a routine exorcism at a local college, he learned that a force of evil called the Six-Fingered Hand was gunning for the defenders. With the stakes revealed, Hellstrom uses his demon trident to figure out that Patsy is in Virginia and the team is off. Though first, um, Doctor Strange Astral projects to the Sanctum to let Clea know what's up. Clea checks in on Kyle, and it seems like something's happening. Oh no! Anyhow, the trio arrives in Christiansboro, and it's fight time. Uh, things go moderate. They fight a bunch of demons and stuff that are just sort of showing up, especially this one orange one that seems like the boss from previous panels. Uh, the fight goes pretty well until 
until the new demonic Hellcat shows up. Now she's an actual Hellcat. And wearing a whole lot less. Yeah, she's kind of she's kind of got a uh, got a very revealing one piece swimsuit as opposed to Hellcat's usual uh, full body yellow number. Uh, so she wrecks shop and takes out everybody pretty effectively, uh, except uh, except for Valkyrie who can't fight her anyway. Um, and it's not that she would, even if she could, because Valkyrie and Hellcat have a lot of stuff going on right now, and they have like a coded relationship that's been hinted at during the Mandrill storyline and continues here. And I don't feel super qualified to get into it, but like. I... I think we see where this is going. They're they're it's I, they're more than friends. It's heavily implied. They're more than friends enough to de demon uh, Patsy. She expels Avarice. She's then banished to the some other world. And both she and the local townsfolk are okay. But hey, what about that orange guy? Right, big orange demon guy. No, no one's no one's asking that. <laughs> no, these guys are. They're like, hey, like, what's the cause of this? Like, oh, I bet it was that old man, old man Christians. He's always been up to no good. We got to check him out. Yeah, let's form an angry mob. I'm with this guy. <laughs> so, leading an angry mob, the defenders go to the go, the defenders go to the house of old man Christians, who is apparently the force behind Avarish worship, and they find him to be a crazy demon, yes, but also a broken old man. They're like, hey, you, you're the demon. Yes. Or what's left of me is. Oh, I'm a demon and I'm sad. It turns out Poor that, uh, yeah, it turns out that this old guy, Isaac Christians, sold his soul to the demon Avarish and was sent to kidnap Patsy to help get his town back on its feet. But because he's wow. failed. What? Go ahead. That's just so selfless. It's crazy, right? Because he's failed, um, he's now stuck in the or- in this orange gargoyle body forever. So uh, he asks if he can jo- join the team to take down the six-fingered hand, and the team agrees. The big final twist, however, is that Patsy reveals new info that her soul was promised to the six-fingered hand by her own mother. Dun dun dun. Oh comic is getting so weird there's a lot going on man there's demons and stuff now you got a demon as part of the team gargoyle is actually going to be a pretty long-term member of the defenders he's a pretty fun guy he kind of shoots bolts and flies around and stuff he's got a weird i sure hope he doesn't stay stay sad the entire time he doesn't stay sad but as an old guy i feel like he's got a different perspective on things than other people you know what i mean or yeah, gargoyle, sure. you know, it, gargoyles. I suppose. Really sad demon. Just I, I know he is kind of crying at the end of this comic. <laughs> yeah. But hey, let's move on to Defenders '95 from May 1981. Well, real fast, I just wanted to oh, say ahead, that, please. like, I, I think Son of Satan should be doing a better job dealing with these demons. <laughs> like, that's his. That's his one like claim to fame. And he's yeah, only, this, like, he, this seems kind of his purview. I mean, he got beaten up by like, uh, by 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 Hell Hellcat. That's true, but he was taking out the other demons pretty effectively. He just isn't that familiar with this six fingered hand situation. He's going to hold his own. There's going to be a lot of son of this this storyline is son of Satan heavy guys. He's going to do do a lot of stuff. 
For sure, and I'm down with Son of Satan. I think he's cool, but I, I was just thinking, like, between Hellcat and now, like, Mayor Demon, like, <laughs> you got to be able to, like, help out or something. For sure, I agree. Anyway, maybe he does. <laughs> Let's go to Defenders 95 from May 1981. The Vampire Strikes Back. Ah, 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 ah. J.M. DeMatteis, writer, Don Perlin, and Joe Sinna, artists, assisted by... Giacoa and Milgram, Diana Albers, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So the team returns to the sanctum to find the door ajar, and everybody's nervous. But it turns out that it's just Nighthawk, it looks like. So like Nighthawk has like a serum in his blood that usually doubles his strength during the nighttime, but now it seems like it makes him also not paralyzed during nighttime. Hooray! Right. Yeah, that's how it okay. works. Okay, sure. Cool beans. Yeah, so they come back and he's flying around. He's like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm cured. It's great. And uh, Doctor Strange is like, okay. sorry, buddy. When the sun sets, you're in trouble. Or when the, yeah, when the sun <laughs> rises, I should say. Put him in a coffin. <laughs> totally, yeah. Just, just, just pretend to be a vampire. It'll answer all the questions. <laughs> there's, a, there's a pretty funny part here where... Um, where Nighthawk sort of goes up to Gargoyle and asks him what his deal was. And Gargoyle says, Once I was the fo- uh, was a foolish old man named Isaac Christians. Now I am cursed to live out my days as Gargoyle. And Nighthawk says, Sorry, I asked. But <laughs> What a jerk. One, that's a huge jerk move. But two, I, I think it's pretty cool how Gargoyle spent like the last, I don't know, 30 minutes that he's been a superhero just to get his background story... Get the elevator pitch for a superhero dumb, like, down pat, you know? Yeah. And then to just be like, hey, too much information, bro. Yeah, well, that's because Nighthawk is terrible. Yeah. And so it's only fair that as we do the, as the comic does sort of the recap of the previous issue, the sun rises and Nighthawk passes out and just lies there feeling, feeling, feeling bad for himself. <laughs> Good. Man, these comics are all just like a giant pity party. Jeez. Especially the Nighthawk-based stuff. We also learned that uh, Dolly is in the hospital, and Patsy is not very pleased with Gargoyle for putting her there. Gargoyle's very apologetic. And uh, that's sad. Yeah, of course. Uh, the next day, Hellcat and Hellstrom go to Patsy's mom's grave to investigate the soul-selling thing, and it turns out that Dorothy Walker traded her daughter's soul to the demon Avarish for eternal life, which we, which she would have gotten had the plan last issue succeeded. And man, that's a bummer when your mom sells your soul out from under you. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, man. like I wouldn't know. Pat, Patsy Walker really shouldn't be pissed off at Gargoyle now. I mean, she's got she's got a very target rich environment to be pissed at people. There's her mom. There's Gargoyle. <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> At the same time, uh, Valkyrie is summoned by a bunch of, well, uh, other Valkyries to take part in the reconquest of Valhalla from the goddess Hela, which is all going on in Thor comics right now. Uh, she refuses, but just sort of FYI to tie that into that event. Wait, is Valkyrie's real name Brunhilde? Have you just been doing it wrong? Uh, she didn't learn that her name was, Brun- was, was Brunhilde or Brunhilde or whatever, until maybe 20 issues ago off screen when she recovered her when 
when oh, right. when, <laughs> when 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 Barbara <laughs> Norris's uh, uh, personality was purged from her body when they returned to Asgard and stuff, it's really complicated. But that's where we learned that her name was Brunhilde, but no one calls her that. She just goes by Valkyrie. That's her title, and I think it's what she prefers. Jeez, sorry I asked. Uh, <laughs> you, you Nighthawk son of a bitch. <laughs> Alright, so that night in the Sanctum, the plan is starting to form. As Doctor Strange explains, the six-fingered hand seems to be a plan by a bunch of lesser demons to form up and be a super evil uh, super team. <laughs> a, uh, a, a bat flies up to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh crap, it's Dracula! Dracula fight! Uh... <laughs> The combined, the combined effort of the team manages to defeat Dracula, and it turns out that Drac was hypnotized by an outside force, which, oh man, that's so sad for you, Dracula. Someone mind-controlling you and making you do things you don't want to do? That must man, be really you bad. Know anything about that, would you, Dracula? That seems real bad. I see through you, Dracula. Yeah. You're, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Dracula, guys. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah, but it turns out that a couple rebel vampires led by this one vampire named Gortsky have teamed up with the demon Puishant to take down Dracula and power up the demon. Puishant, of course, one of the six-fingered hand. Uh, Dra yeah, so Dracula and the Defenders, without Doctor Strange, uh, team up and teleport to Transylvania. Gargoyle saying, how does he do that? And the answer is magic. He's a sorcerer. So, so they get to Castle Dracula, and there's a huge vampire fight. Uh, during the fight, Gargoyle saves Hellcat so that she won't be so mad at him all the time. And the fight takes them all the way through, up and down, and around Castle Dracula. And eventually ends with when Hellstrom, after warning Dracula ahead of time, uh, drops the castle into the Maw of Eternity. Just the regular kind, uh, not, not a character. <laughs> I was going to ask. Yeah, and makes the sun rise several hours early, which destroys all the vampires and, and, and banishes the demon. Hooray! Yay! Oh. Like intense ramifications on, like, Earth. No, man, it's just localized in that one spot. Although it does paralyze Nighthawk again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Son of Satan is my favorite. <laughs> so, uh, Hellcat asks why Hellstrom didn't take Dracula out too, and Hellstrom sort of drops some mumbo jumbo about hell actually being honorable and things like that. Don't worry, uh, Dracula's gonna get his fairly soon. I promise. <laughs> God dang, Dracula. <laughs> And this takes us to Defenders 96 from June 1981. The Rock and Roll Conspiracy. J.M. DeMatteis, writer. Don Perlin and Joe Sinat, artists. Diana Albers, letterer. George Russo's colorist. Al Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. I love the cover of this comic. This is so rad. I feel yeah, like that cover is awesome. It's uh, building towards this payoff of this like whole team. Just fits this like hell metal motif yeah and it's this and it's the uh, it's the defenders team so hellcat son of satan doctor strange and valkyrie sort of in the background 
and in front of them is Ghost Rider standing astride his flaming motorcycle, being like, ah, I'm Ghost Rider! And then there's a big, like, grinning demon above him, and there's fire everywhere, and it's super dope. But yeah, anyhow, <laughs> um, Osmodius Jones is the king of Devil Rock. As he starts a song by quoting Aleister Crowley and or Assassin's Creed, if you're into that sort of thing, he literally summons the demon Fashima onto stage. It freaks out Jones' manager, Felix D. Palmer, as well as a local roadie, Johnny Blaze, a.k.a. Ghost Rider. It's kind of weird that there's a, like a, a rock band based off of uh, the books in Gravity Falls. Even deeper references here, folks. <laughs> Basically, the guy says uh, nothing is true and everything is permitted. 666 is the number. Get with it. <laughs> Not except you some other songs involving that number, but whatever. Also very weird for something called death metal or like death rock or d- devil rock, I guess. Like you... Maybe he sings it like a uh, like like Cookie Monster, you know. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Like that. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Kyle Richmond is dealing is meeting with his lawyer to talk about his current physical state. Wow. Ah, okay. Uh, meanwhile. Boring. Meanwhile, again, Doctor Strange is meditating and learns the location of Fashima, the next on their demon hunting list. Meanwhile, at the hospital, uh, Hellcat, Hellstrom, and Gargoyle visit Dolly, and Hellcat gets super angry for a second at, and like yells at a Gargoyle again. And then Damon uses his demonic healing powers, I guess, to, uh, to help Dolly, and things should be okay. Oh, okay. I yeah, also, I, I love. I just want to say I love Gargoyle is wearing the total Ninja Turtle disguise of a trench coat and a big hat. Like, that's just the traditional multi-purpose everyone disguise. Like the Ninja Turtles perfected it, but like <laughs> that's how Ben Grimm walked around the city of New York uh, in even like the 1960s. Oh man, it is. <laughs> oh, like we also look, saw like the Hulk doing that in the rain one time. Yep, 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 yep. He was standing in a no parking zone with Aragorn the Pegasus and the cop was like, you can't park that horse here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. saying, like, they're really, I love it when it's just such a, a deep juxtaposition between like, this guy is like a nightmare creature, but no one can see him because he's got a raincoat and like a, a, just a big old hat on. Like I, I like to imagine that like drug stores in New York City sell trench coats and top ha- and uh, and uh, fedoras just so anybody can get one real fast in case they happen to be some kind of disfigured monster, you know? <laughs> in case they want to blend into the crowd. Like just how in California here they sell like if if if, if you go in like a, an independent like uh, drugs like a drug convenience store or something, there'll be that big thing of hats and they're all like like CIA and ATF hats and stuff. Like, it's the same thing, but it's like a trench coat and a fedora, just in case you happen to be like a swamp monster and you need to, you've come out of the sewer and you need to blend in quickly, you know? It's just in a pack with, with each item together. Exactly. Listen, Matt, they're, they're catering to a very specific audience and it's going to pay off big for them. It's a large-scale audience in New York, in the Marvel Universe at least. <laughs> Anyhow, um, after the demonic healing powers work, uh, the team is off to Detroit. And Nighthawk stays home to feel sorry for himself. 
So about that, uh, there's like a bit of a line on this page that I'm looking at. Like Doctor Strange says, I- "I'm puzzled by these symbols." It's like, well, okay. Um, one of them says, "Welcome to Detroit." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One's a one's a guitar. Okay. Yeah. One's one one's a demon. Okay, and one's clearly Ghost Rider, who Doctor Strange has fought at least once. Hellstrom too. So they don't seem mysterious to me. I got Maybe I'm coming at it backwards. He's never heard of Detroit. <laughs> That's the only thing that makes sense. Ooh, Detroit eye. <laughs> <laughs> so in Detroit, uh, Hellstrom and the Defenders ambush Johnny Blaze, who's just minding his own business. In your standard sort of pre-team up super fight, you know how it goes. Yeah. We learn here that the spirit of vengeance is now in control when Blaze becomes Ghost Rider, which is which is different from how it's been previously. And after some pretty good Ghost Rider fights, um, Doctor Strange teleports everyone to a junkyard. Gargoyle again asking, "How does he do that? Where they can duke it out without endangering anyone?" Uh, Blaze quickly gets de Ghost Ridered by Son of Satan. And reveals that Asmodeus Jones is probably related to the six-fingered hand. I mean, it is the symbol on his tour poster and everything like that. Uh, Doctor Strange astral forms to the concert venue, where as where Asmodeus Jones and his manager Felix are having a uh, exposition expositional discussion about how <laughs> Asmodeus sold his soul to Fashima for fame, and tonight they're gonna merge. And infernally magic 16,000 screaming fans. We gotta stop them. So that night at the concert, um, as Asmodeus Jones begins the spell to summon Fashima, a ghost writer drives onto the stage saying that instead he will receive the power of Fashima, and this makes um, Asmodeus like angry and jealous. And so he tries to pull the full power of Fashima to himself and burns his, and burns himself out completely. The sacrifice has been averted. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. Like they start, everybody starts blasting them, and there's some cool action shots and things like that. Like uh, Doctor Strange flies in the whole, um, the whole rest of the team on these uh, gleaming uh, golden discs and stuff. It's pretty good. This is like a definitely like kind of Bill and Ted thing where you don't know if it's part of the concert or if people are actually like coming back from the future. To stop an evil villain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, with the sacrifice averted, unfortunately, uh, Felix, the tour manager, has to pay the price, and he just disappears into blackness as the vengeance from the demon. At this point, Asmodeus reveals that Felix was actually his brother, and this makes Hellcat laugh her face off to the shocked silence from her peers. It's pretty creepy, actually. Just like the like Hellcat is like standing back, like hands on her hips, like laughing super duper hard, and all the rest of the team is like s- staring at her agape, like "What the heck are you doing, lady?" I mean, it's pretty obvious evil laughter, right? Like we're all yeah. on the same page here. Yeah, but it's man, it's tough when your friend starts laughing evilly. You know what I mean? It's hard to it, it, it's hard to deal with. I I think it's pretty it's it's a creepy thing just because. It's such a juxtaposition of her being so jolly and everybody else being like, yee. Yeah, I don't think Gargoyle's heart can take any more, like, disappointment like this, though, so I hope it turns out okay. Hey, be nice to him. He's an old man. Yeah, I know. I'm worried about him. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go to Defenders 97 from July 1981. 
slouching towards Bethlehem. J.M. DeMatteis, writer. Don Perlin and Joe Sinat, artists. Diana Albers, letterer. George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, uh, Doctor Strange is meditating in the Defenders Detroit motel room. And uh, eventually decides to mind-scan Hellcat. Because her actions recently show that she's clearly still holding some kind of demon hoodoo inside her head. Uh, Strange manages to expel... Or, Doctor Strange manages to get Patsy to expel most of the demon essence. But you can't be certain about about devils. So says the Devil Slayer as he appears in the room. Uh, what? (laughs) This dude looks like the tick. You guys might remember Devil Slayer from uh, that Vera Gemini um, arc? Like the one that was based on a Blue Oyster cult? Oh, right. That guy. He's got like a cape that lets him teleport around and things like that. Yeah, he still looks like the tick, though. (laughs) I'm I'm not disagreeing. I'm just giving you guys some context. (laughs) um so it appears that devil slayer has gotten a letter from his wife and she's currently living in a kibbutz in israel and a new religious leader there david kessler has shown up and devil slayer thinks he might be an agent of the six-fingered hand and he knows the defenders are looking for six-fingered hand guys um (laughs) so we we got to figure it out basically uh during this sequence we also find out um that about uh, or we also learn about uh, Devil Slayer's relationship with his wife, who is a black lady, which is kind of interesting, just because inter- interracial relationships are pretty rare in comics at this point in history. And I think it's nice that they don't really m- make a big deal about it, unlike how I'm making a big deal about it now. But I got to tell everybody somehow. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you got to give it props. Yeah, the uh, the defenders teleport to the Middle East, and we are told that. Um, Doctor Strange is still kind of messed up from his encounter with the demon in Hellcat's brain. Also, meanwhile, in Boggy, Florida, the freaking man thing is checking out a slowly opening dimensional gateway. More on this later. But hey, now we're in the desert and everyone has their civilian clothes on or is disguised completely in Gargoyle's case. I was going to ask, I don't see him here, but I'm assuming he's kind of like the older looking dude with yeah, he's the kind Hawaiian of a, t-shirt. Yeah, he's he's the short guy in the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> he gotcha. still looks he still pretty sad though. Mm. Yeah. Hey, so guys, <laughs> we've teleported <laughs> to Israel. You know what time it is in Israel? It's daytime, which means Nighthawk's paralyzed again. <laughs> Why is he even with them? <laughs> Anyhow, um it appears that we've teleported to a classic sort of comedy desert oasis where there's like, you know, a small pool, a couple palm trees, and there's a faith healer baptizing people. As the team arrives, he heals one dude of blindness, and Devil Slayer suggests that, uh, you know, hey, like, now that Nighthawk's paralyzed, we could probably use him as an in to get to the faith healer. And hey, Devil Slayer's wife is there. All right. She seems nice. And she's a big fan of the faith healer, David Kessler. Uh, Kessler dunk, dunked Nighthawk, and with a flash of red lightning, uh, <laughs> Michael <out>. Jordan, <laughs> Kyle Richmond can walk again. It's a miracle. Everybody starts questioning Kessler, uh, especially Gargoyle and some Satan. Uh, David promises he isn't a charlatan, and he does, and like to prove it, he does a prayer to remove all illusion. But <laughs> unfortunately, it reveals these two dudes as like. 
a gargoyle and a super satanic guy with like a pentacle carved on his chest and demon and <laughs> horn hair and stuff. Like this team has terrible optics right now. It's it's really true. <laughs> To fight them, uh, Kessler calls down an army of archangels, who like gold wings dudes with swords and stuff, which is pretty cool. But so, now, now the whole defenders team is fighting an army of angels. It's even worse optics. So, uh, I, I, okay, I, I have to point this out. Uh, Please, this, this Kessler guy. Yeah, he looks a little like Andrew WK. I think he's oh wearing God, white. Right, got kind of long hair and stuff. He's in like uh, khaki cutoffs. <laughs> yeah, he totally looks like Andrew WK. I uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. I almost <laughs> feel like Andrew WK is like a, a potential threat for like a, a lawsuit now for identity theft. <laughs> he stole the he stole the light he stole the likeness of a uh, of a faith healer from a nineteen eighty one comic story. Oh or no he could be the same person. Oh man. Anyhow, uh, Nighthawk doesn't fight the fight join the fight against the angels because he's pretty grateful for the whole uh, not being paralyzed anymore thing, you know. That's valid. Yeah. Eventually, uh, Kessler tries to call the demon off, and Doctor Strange realizes that unlike some of the other guys, Kessler has joined the six-fingered hand without realizing that it was evil. He's been duped by those jerk demons. So Doctor Strange casts his own spell of illusion removal, and reveals the angels as creepy demons. Oh no! Uh, Kes- David falls to the ground, um, but then he gets up, completely controlled by the evil Hypocker, one of the demons of the hand. The healer and the demon fight for control over their body, and eventually Kessler decides to sacrifice himself, leaping onto Devil Slayer's dagger, and preferring to die than be an incarnation of evil. David dies, and Hypocker is banished, along with all the other minor demons. It's a win, but it's a bummer win. These demons are bad guys. Why did the demons even pick this dude? They like, you know, they thought they're trying to find people to like incarnate and stuff like that. And so this guy, you know, had a lot of faith in like I'm thinking some spiritual mumbo jumbo and stuff. But they so they tricked him into. Um, working for them without his knowledge. You know, it's pretty standard demon stuff, I think. (laughs) So I have a question. Do it. All right, so this dude is now dead. Yes. And the demon inside him has been banished. Mm Mm-hmm. What about all the people he's healed? Uh, Apparently they don't stay healed because I'm... Because Nighthawk... Because in Defenders 98, (laughs) the hand closes. Uh, They teleport back to the Sanctum Sanctorum and uh, Valkyrie's carrying Nighthawk because that dude is paralyzed again. Oh my gosh. I, I shouldn't be laughing so much at this. I really shouldn't. It's just because it's Nighthawk. <laughs> it's true. If everybody else would be a real bummer that he keeps getting unparalyzed and reparalyzed and stuff. But Nighthawk is such a jerk that it's okay to laugh at his misfortune. That's what I say. Anyhow, uh, Defenders 98 from August 1981. The hand closes. J.M. DeMatteis, writer. Don Perlin and Joe Sinat, artists. Jim Novak, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So the Defenders team teleports back to the Sanctum Sanctorum just in time for Doctor Strange to answer a telephone call from the Avengers. The tiny town of Citrusville, once the setting of 
everyone's favorite of everyone's second favorite comic book swamp monster, Man Thing, is now a giant crater in the shape of a six-fingered hand. This is especially bad because Citrusville is the location of the nexus of realities. Uh, stuff going bad there could cause the entire multiverse to collapse in like a house of cards. So the nexus of realities is somewhere in Florida. Yep. All right. Blame Howard the Duck. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Nighthawk quits the Defenders for real because being paralyzed and re-paralyzed and all that stuff is too much for him. Also, in the wreckage of Hellcat's house, a bunch of no-good kids find her demon cloak and summon a uh, creepy a, uh, creepy lizard demon. More on this later. Uh, the team tell of those kids are hanging out in just like a pile of rubble. Well, you I didn't. Guess video games weren't invented back then. Yeah, like you just ha- had a Coleco vision or something like that. You know, twelve hours of pong, you'll investigate any rubble-strewn crater in your neighborhood. <laughs> um, so the team arrives at the crater and banter with the Avengers and all that stuff, and they're about to go do recon. When Hellcat does like a weird thing where it seems like she's like semi seducing Hellstrom, and then she like scratches her face and and then taunts him when he doesn't when he doesn't hit her back. Uh, that girl got a demon inside her. She's a demon girl. I thought that was fixed. Nah, apparently not, man. She's super crazy and demonic. Uh, before that, b- before they can deal with that though, uh, Doctor Strange summons an opening to the nexus of realities and explained that Citrusville has likely been sucked into it, causing a chain reaction that may end the universe or will end it as the now giant and talking man thing informs us. One of the demons is now in possession of a giant man thing. The jokes write themselves. Was he already, or was he always this big? No, uh, the man thing has grown quite a bit thanks to uh, some outside stimulus from this demon. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure I wasn't going like crazy. Nothing like a demon to enlarge your man thing. It's a really oh big man thing. That's it's a grower, not a shower. That's the third biggest <laughs> man thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. You better be careful of that man thing. If it's not handled the right way, it'll explode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the demon unthink controls the man thing, and while the team starts to fight it, it's um, all efforts to fight the man thing are distracting them from taking time to try to fix what's going on in the nexus of realities. So it's time for a new plan. Doctor Strange enters astral form and flies into the brain of the man thing. You know they say your man thing has a mind of its own. Anyhow, there he oh finds. My <laughs> there he finds the demon Unthink bodily incarnated as a sweet skeleton monster. They have a fist fight until the consciousness that exists inside the man thing of the scientist Ted Salas shows up in the mindscape to naked wrestle the demon. In the end, uh, Unthink is defeated and Salas is finally sent to the afterlife as the man thing wanders off once more. But okay, hey. It's showdown time, guys. Man-Thing's defeated. It's time for the team, which is now uh, Doctor Strange, Devil Slayer, Hellstrom, Valkyrie, and Gargoyle, to enter the nexus of realities. Hellcat's gone missing with Devil Slayer's cloak, which is bad time. But bad times. So, the five of them enter the nexus of realities. 
And it's crazy in there, man. It's a full-on uh, Doctor Strange-style dreamscape with awesome. alternate realities and craziness all over. There's two, like, Victorian England fancy-looking hippos? Bulldogs? Yeah, they're... Or, or maybe spiders. It's hard to tell, like, the... It's sort of hard... Like, the, the quality of the image isn't that great, unfortunately. But there's a lot going on. There's a... Yeah. There's a, there's a dog man walking a human. Um, oh, yeah, space right. station... There's crazy cities and stuff. It's awesome. So, yeah, it's full of ultra realities. And in the spacescape, the heroes encounter a real, actual six-fingered hand that sort of beckons them. It, uh, they follow it, and it leads them to the throne room of the six-fingered hand, which includes the five demons we've defeated already, and their leader, Maya. Maya has hostages, however. Contained within magic force fields, it's the Hulk, Namor, Clea, and the Silver Surfer. Oh man! Well, once they get out, everyone's in trouble. Yeah, but on this cliffhanger, as Maya bears down, reality in the balance, and inside the magical nexus of reality. Uh, let's take a quick break. How are you guys <laughs> liking the story so far? I think it's pretty dope. Yeah, I it's think it's rad. I, I think that it's there's. It's really, like, convenient a lot of times, and it ends mm. up just wrapping up very nicely for some of these stories, and then there's other times where there's almost painfully inconvenient for people, like with Hawk, Nighthawk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Drew? Pretty cool. Uh, just all kinds of weird <laughs> happening. Stuff <laughs> happening. I would like yeah, to have Ghost Rider, please. Yeah, one of the interesting things, especially in this first half, is they've used a bunch of... Um, sort of horror guys that haven't been in print recently, like Dracula's been out of print for a little while and was a guest star. And I yeah, think people like, don't know who Dracula is. I mean, he hadn't been in, like, his Marvel comic had been out of print for a little while, you know. And, like, Ghost Rider, I think, was still in print, but sort of on its last legs and stuff. So it's sort of a neat, like, let's add some more demon dudes or some more uh, sort of evil guys into this storyline to sort of keep things interesting. Man, a, a doctor... Uh, Dr. Dracula. A Dracula comic just sounds like the most boring comic possible. Like, after, like, one or two issues, like, where do you go? Oh, my, it, it killed and drained the blood of someone else. My understanding is that it's mostly about the people hunting Dracula. Like, that's what Blade comes from and all those guys. Oh, okay. They were originally from, sort of, the Dracula, like, like the Tomb of Dracula comic book series. That's cooler. So it's more about, yeah, Dracula doing stuff and other people stopping him and stuff like that. I don't know. Until Anyhow, <laughs> no, it does not involve Sookie Stackhouse, thankfully. Plus, a lot of that, <laughs> oh, a, a lot of that true of that True Blood stuff, you, you couldn't get past the comics code at the time. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> a lot of stuff on HBO. <laughs> it's true. Anyhow, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish up this story, and then do some more stuff with uh, Solo Solo Strange and then some Spider-Man team-ups. All right. Yeah. 